everybody, and welcome to Read, Watch, Play. I'm Corinne. I'm Justin. I'm James. And I'm Cleo. And this episode, we're going to be talking about Gemini Rue by Wadget Eye Games. So before we talk about anything else, there's oh, one right. little... Uh, <laughs> Damn. Just, I'm just going to jump in there. You said you were raring to go. I was not expecting this. <laughs> I'm so ready for... Because this is something I wanted to bring up before, I think, but it didn't really bother me enough to warrant discussing... Uh, and bother, I don't know, is a strong word for this, but one of my kind of like semi pet peeves with video games is because you know re- you record all the voice actors separately, so you have on occasion up to like three or four different pronunciations of the same name. Oh yeah, and this game definitely oh, had that. Yeah. Like the director at one point within the same sentence, yep. like yeah. pronounced his name differently. Yeah, because like, and you have like one. Yeah, he said like Azriel in one line, and then Azriel in another line. Yeah. And then sometimes what was really funny was with um, Sayuri was it was like when they meet and she's like, I'm Sayuri. And he was like, Sayuri. Like he said it in a different way. Yeah. Like <laughs> it sounded the way it sounded. He said it made it sound like he was deliberately trying to pronounce her name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just to spite her. <laughs> I was just like, these two people are so clearly not having a conversation right now in the same room. Oh, yeah. Speaking of people not having actual conversations, a lot of the times when like the main character would be talking to other people. It reminded me of that video of two like computer AIs, like two Google bots or whatever, having a conversation with each other. Like it sounded so weird and disjoint. It was very strange. I think part of it is like the spacing between lines, yeah. right? It's like there's like an unnatural pause between people speaking and the conversation. Yeah, I ended up like skipping a lot of lines of dialogue because of those unnatural pauses where like the conversation would flow more or less naturally and then it would pause long enough that I thought it was done. So I was like tapping to do a thing and then it would be like the same time somebody's about to say something and then it just skips a line of dialogue. I must have done that at least a dozen times. Yeah. Oh, uh, just, I mean, a little context. Gemini Rue is playable on pretty much anything like you could probably play it on a particularly smart toaster if you wanted to yeah (laughs) yeah i i played on ipad uh james i think you said you played on your iphone yeah right yeah and corinne you did a let's play well i bought it for pc and then i ended up doing a let's play and cleo i was on steam on my macbook yeah so osx iphone ios pc briefly yeah, so... So we got a nice wide range. That's cool. I'm yeah. very curious about how it worked for you, too. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> okay, so not better than on uh, on my, my laptop, then. I, I will say, to their credit, I haven't played a lot of point-and-click stuff on, like, a touchscreen device. Yeah, I device. haven't had much experience with it, either. Yeah, but I've got to say, I, I, feel like, I feel like they did a pretty good job, all things considered. Um, I mean, uh, Justin, we were talking about this a little bit before, but just there were in, enough instances of it's just, like hard to touch the thing that you want to touch i mean a lot of this stuff has like a pretty small hitbox i mean it yeah no way a lot of this is 44 pixels but and and there's also like the the logic for getting like in and out of doors oh yeah in this is that just was bad insanely frustrating oh my god yeah to its credit though i did like that there there's it seemed like they kept like a little bit of like bezel on either side of the screen so you could actually like touch outside like through a door yeah a lot of the time it it that was it I wasn't mean, great but it was it was a nice consideration yeah so my mouse kept getting stuck at the edge the edges of the screen and like would not move and so i'd have to like get into like go into the menu and like come out and like do all sorts of, all sorts of crazy things just to like have control of my mouse again and nice. this was consistent like every time it touched the edge of the screen 
currently resisting the urge to sing every time we touch. <laughs> we'll just we'll edit it in to play faintly over this, <laughs> over this uh, sequence. It's fine. But overall, I mean, going back to what, what we usually start with, how do we? How did we feel? How does it make you feel, Justin? I mean, this this is definitely you know a super narrative focused thing i mean the the play of it was was pretty standard point and click adventure aside from like you know little like annoying things that kind of added up um i you know it it was good for what it was story-wise i i enjoyed it but it also like the way that we described altered carbon sort of like just taking off the noir boxes is kind of very much how this feels to me too right um just with way less problematic anything um just way less in general yeah there's also just yeah there's way less very short little story and it's also it's yeah like one of the only things that we really like all liked about altered carbon was the you know the world building aspect and there isn't nearly as much of this you're kind of it's very much a slice of this sort of otherwise unknown like universe um but I, I mean, overall, I, I definitely liked it. I thought it was an enjoyable experience for the, the time that I spent with it. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think that um, I actually really liked its brevity. Um, like I to touch briefly on Alter Carbon, like I agree that the best part of that was its world building. But um, that's generally not the part of sci-fi that I tend to enjoy most. I think that's part of why I didn't like Alter Carbon that much is mm-hmm. it did a really good job with world building. And I tend to prefer sci-fi that doesn't really give that many shits about its world building, that cares more about its ideas. And I thought that's where Altered Carbon really stumbled. Yeah, I thought sure. that this was kind of the other way, where it's very light on world building. This is clearly focused on its ideas. Uh, I don't think that those ideas are particularly new. You know, they're, I, it, I'm not going to dive into like what the game is, like the big ideas behind the game are, because that's 100% spoilers. But... Um, I mean, it's stuff that you've seen before, I guess, is kind of the, the best way to put it. It's done in kind of a neat way, but this is certainly not the first thing to to play with those ideas. But I think that that fit a lot better into that kind of very short context. Yeah. Um, so actually, I, I did really like the brevity. Um, that said, though, kind of in the same way that it's not really dealing with a lot of ideas that you haven't seen before, and in the same way that it's kind of checking off a lot of the noir boxes... Um, I feel like it's also kind of checking off a lot of the game boxes. I'm like it it is what it was and that was that was, you know, the creator's decision. Um but for something as story focused as this, I never really shook the fact shook the feeling that um it might have been better as just a short story. Uh I don't know how much I got from playing it. I mean if that's what I, I obviously if that's what someone wants to make, that's what they want to make. But I it, it felt like a lot of the the moment to moment gameplay was just like very standard point and click adventure, you know, just with this story kind of mapped onto it. And I think I was frustrated more often by the gameplay than not. Uh, so it, I think that that ended up making me feel like that sort of dragged the whole thing down a little bit, but yeah, no, it was good. I liked it. Uh, I don't think it was amazing. Um, I saw a lot of stuff going into this with people talking about how like, it's like amazing or a masterpiece. I think that that's, not accurate i think it's i think it's really good though yeah i mean on the idea of like you know whether it would have been better as a short story i actually think that as a short story it would have been kind of boring um just because if you think about it just from like plot points and characters 
Like I enjoyed them in, you know, game form, but if I were to kind of read it, I mean, I guess always, obviously it would depend on like who wrote it. Right. But if you gave me like the plot outline of it and said like, okay, so this is like a short story, I'd be like, okay, well it's pretty typical, like super typical. <laughs> it's like checking off the sci-fi boxes and the noir boxes and like, yeah, it, maybe it's solid, but it's kind of like pretty standard. That's true. Um, to the point where I think, and again, like with the game mechanics, they are, it is super typical. Like there wasn't, there wasn't any point where I was like, oh, this feels new. And there were like a few puzzles where I felt like, oh, like someone felt the need to put this in here. Um, and I would not have personally myself put them in there because it just felt like they, there were some things that felt like the designers felt or design. It's like one guy, I guess, really. I, I, I don't know enough about it to, to say with confidence. I feel like at the, during the credits, I saw it was like, designed and developed and everything to buy this one dude oh but um yeah i mean i felt like there were a couple of mechanical things in there that felt like they were put in because they felt obligated to put them in mm. um rather than like oh i'm super passionate about designing puzzles like it's like oh god okay i need to like check this off also but overall like i mean i really enjoyed i liked the setting as kind of you know stereotypical sci-fi noir as it is I definitely enjoyed it. I liked all like the raininess of it. I really liked the music. Oh yeah, I felt the music really yeah, helped to set the tone. Like pitch perfect. I have a specific line in my notes that's just great music, and then like two and a half exclamation points. What does a half exclamation point look like? I don't know, but I, I, I wanted to say three, but I don't think I did three, and I don't think I did two, so I just said two and a half. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't really know what it means. <laughs> all right. But yeah, overall, I would say I liked it. Like, yeah, not the best game I've ever played, but I enjoy the experience and I would recommend it to people who enjoy these kind of point and click adventure games. Yeah, I do wonder if this is like just the kind of game that's not going to age super well. I mean, it's not that old, but we're we're on for almost six years since this came out. And I wonder if playing it five years ago it wouldn't have even the things that felt as janky as they did may, maybe would have felt less janky i don't know i mean so 2010 i don't know what like the the state of the art for point and click adventure games was but i mean did um we weren't that far off from broken age by then yeah i was gonna say is this pre this is pre broken age well then i would say it probably did feel pretty cool because i we if we hadn't hit that like point and click revival quote-unquote period yet then it might have felt interesting and and different to like have this resurgence of the point and click because we hadn't hit that yet. Yeah. So like a point and click that told a, an interesting story might have still been a really cool idea. And the art style is so retro that it would hit all the like the nostalgia kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean this basically looks like it was made in scum. Yeah. yeah. The art the art was really nice. I agree with that. I know, but at the same time, it I don't know. I would say I mean we we talked a little bit about this just in general, but like with some of like the mechanics issues, it's, I don't know, it may be clear you would, you'd be the better person to speak to some of this again. Cause I, you know, Justin, and I played on, on iOS devices of some sort. So any input issues we might've had might be, you know, have come after the fact, but I don't know. I'd say like, especially for stuff like the gunfights, I, there are things there where it's, it, that's not even the question to me of like, like, Oh, does this feel like, like that doesn't even feel like a 2010 kind of thing. That yeah. feels like a, a 90s kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like at that point we had, I mean, just to like, not necessarily in the same category, but in 2010, we'd had Bioshock for three years. Yeah. You know, like it, 
that's the kind of thing for me. Like when it comes to like, we've got like interesting stories, we've got, you know, these kinds of like mechanics, like Bioshock manages to be, I don't know, it, this is a poor example, I guess, because Bioshock was a like big production, lots of people, stuff like that. But so I don't know, I guess it, there's some things like that though, where I feel like some of the issues to me feel like this is still really rooted in maybe just some point and click issues. And maybe that's, maybe that's the bigger thing that got me with some of the mechanics you're just having like click specific things, like very specific things. Um, I mean, the number of times where I got stuck on a puzzle just because I didn't realize like you like clicked on something you didn't mean to click and you thought you clicked on something you meant to click. Oh, God. Yes. So, and like, like, oh, so that's nothing I can interact with. And exactly. It ends up being the actual thing. And yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, just it, a difficulty trying to get a character to do the thing that I want or instances where it's like. You need to, like, use your hand on this to do a thing with your foot, but you need to use a foot on that one because it's, like, a foot interaction. It's, like, it. there were just enough things like that where it was, I don't know, I, I felt like I had a much harder time translating my intent into action. God, I never remember to use my foot. Ever. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like, any time that your foot needed to be used for something in this game, I it took me twice as long to figure out what I needed to do with that thing. Yeah. The couple times that you had to, like, use your foot to stand on a thing. Yeah. Or, like, the one time you have to use your foot to, like, kick a door open. It's, like, I just... I, it never... It's It might as well have not been there yeah. for, all, for all the times I remembered I needed to use it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, like, the problems that this game has with, like, point-and-click stuff seem to be pretty typical for like problems that i have with adventure game point and click adventures games in general like even like going back to like even like monkey island to like you know when we played broken age and i'm not i mean i feel like mainly i play tim Schafer <laughs> adventure games so i don't mean to just be listing his stuff i mean he's kind of the king of it right yeah. like it just all that lucasart stuff right that's yeah that is that remains to me like the platonic ideal yeah. of a point and click adventure <laughs> game <laughs> But like yeah, and like if you I I know I have friends who are like really really into adventure games, and I do enjoy some of the puzzle like aspects of like oh I have these objects in my inventory and I have like the scene in front of me like what in what are the things in front of me that can be used with the objects in my inventory in like this weird unique way and I like it if it makes sense but if it's like seems to be like complete bullshit just to like have a puzzle there of some sort that I just feel like my time was wasted and there were definitely occasions where I felt like okay you're giving me busy work like you want me to like follow this like set of things like actions to take that are just wasting time and like hindering my progress in this game and not really adding anything to ex the experience and sometimes it literally feels like you're trying to say okay like now put your left foot forward now put your right foot forward now do that again and it's walking and it's just it got that that got frustrating to me, and I pulled up a walkthrough because there were some stupid little things like that where I felt that it it wouldn't I wouldn't be benefiting from trying to figure it out myself. Okay, this is really interesting to me because both of you are huge fans of the escape the room genre, which you have both like professed has a specific type of like this is a puzzle because it has to be a puzzle kind of mentality, and it's interesting that you're pointing out this has to be a puzzle because it's a point and click adventure game and it has to be a puzzle type thing and calling that out is a bad thing. Does that make sense? Did that all scan correctly? No, I get you. I think I know what you're getting at. Should I say it again better? No, I think no, I get you. Okay, great. <laughs> I, 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 I totally get where you're coming from. I think the difference for me is 
I think it's context, as, as weird as that sounds, right? It, an Escape the Room game is a series of explicit puzzle rooms with a challenge to solve. And often that challenge is not kind of... It's usually the story is constructed in such a way that your characters are put into situations where they are in some kind of a puzzle room that was a crafted puzzle room uh, where you're dealing with puzzle logic. Whereas I think for me, the thing that ends up being difficult is when you're putting that into what is otherwise a really serious story, puzzle logic starts to break down in the universe. Like it feels like it doesn't make sense that I should need to do these things in this context. And also I have a much wider um, like space in which the puzzle can be spread Whereas in an Escape the Room game, by definition, you are locked into a certain like possibility space. Uh, so, for example, I'm I don't really like having to explore a world to find the one character who like has information about a thing. But that at least makes some sense in the context of like a, a noiry puzzle. Um, but that puzzle to me is a way less fun than. Um, here's your screen in your environment and you need to like it might not make sense that there's a logic puzzle here but the context of the game kind of makes that work for me i think that's the big difference is it's really the the scope and the degree to which you can say i don't know what's going on here because i don't like the the logic of the universe and the logic of the puzzle and the logic of gameplay aren't clicking um and i think that by and large escape the room because that's like the hallmark of the genre uh, sort of is forced to focus on that and solve those problems a bit better than I think point and clicks do. And to go back to the old like LucasArts stuff, I think that those kind of got around that that difficulty in a really clever way by making the games very funny and tongue-in-cheek. So you can have ridiculous puzzle logic in Monkey Island because Monkey Island is inherently a ridiculous situation. Um, so while I'm frustrated that I needed to figure out that I needed to like put this pulley in a rubber chicken to get across a rope. I'm at least like, yep, monkey Island. Whereas in this, when you get to kind of like a, a puzzle that has just like a super convoluted solution, I end up feeling frustrated because I'm like, I, I have a story that I'm progressing and I'm supposed to take this seriously. And I feel like what I had to do here was silly. That's, I, I feel like for me, that's, that's where the friction comes. But I definitely agree that, it is kind of weird to to take that issue with point and click adventure, and I guess maybe it's just that I I prefer it when the the story and the puzzle are separated because I don't think that it meshes. In, they don't. I don't think they mesh very well most of the time. I guess would be would be my response to that. Yeah, if the puzzle feels in character, then I'll have that I'll be like, cool. There's a puzzle here, and it makes sense for it to like be in this world. But if it seems like totally arbitrary, like oh, there's a machine here fix it, and then we'll get to the next part of the story. I feel like I'm just... My time to get to the next story section is being delayed. Um, I really... When I'm playing a game for the narrative, I really don't like that feeling of, oh, and now we are obligated to give you a non-narrative section so you can work for the next part of the narrative, which, like, some... Not this game, but, like, other games will do that with combat. Co ugh, combat. I don't know what accent that was. Combat. <laughs> um, yeah. I went to the South. Um, but, yeah, some people will, like, put in these like combat sections that kind of feel like not very exciting. And obviously like that wasn't the point of the game was like, this is a, this, you know, game has great combat mechanics. It's kind of like, okay, well we need to, you know, put something in between these kind of like, you know, narrative sections and why not have it be this. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, having said that, the gunfights in this game did frustrate me to a point because I just, I think just because in general the control like things were not reacting. I would hit a button and the button would not do the thing that I was told the button would do. At least not like immediately. I'd have to hit it like three times. Yeah. Like once we get into spoilers, I have some very specific instances of like me wanting to destroy my laptop. Um, <laughs> and not to, and again not to say like I did enjoy the game. I would recommend it. I enjoyed the story. Um, and I thought it was fun. But things like that that are f- really, really frustrating and seem like they are almost just breaking the game to the point of it being unplayable sometimes when you feel like physically you have to time things so perfectly and not and again, not in the way where it's like, oh, OK, I figured out that he like such and such person needs to be standing here during this time for this action to take place. And you realize that. But then it's like you have the realization. And at that point, you should be able to, like, do the thing. But then it's also like. You have to get the timing absolutely perfect to like a nanosecond. And yeah. it's just, it's not, it doesn't feel reward. It doesn't feel like I figured out this thing and it's rewarding. It feels like I figured out this thing and I'm being punished for something that I didn't, I don't know what I did. I don't, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And, and in that moment, you'll, you are Delta Six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was the point. But yeah, no, I, <laughs> I hadn't been thinking of it, but I, I think that the, the fixing the machine is a great example. Because especially to to your question, Corinne, because I the mechanics for fixing that machine are literally in the most recent Zero Escape game. And I don't take issue with their presence in the new Zero Escape game because the context is, yep, crazy ass puzzle room. Whereas the context in this is, oh, yeah, we made a machine and the way that you like affect the air ducts is this like on off flipping system like based on like where you tap and that affects other ducts and there's no just you need to reset the air ducts like it doesn't make any sense that in this world i can't just say okay make sure you open the ducts from like port three to port ten like i need to solve a puzzle for that i think that that's yeah and that was the one that the one that i was thinking of because i remembered it being in in zero time dilemma right and it's just that yeah, it comes down to the same thing for me. I love the Zero Escape games and the Danganronpa games, right? These these spike chunks off to sort of like puzzle-based narrative games. But that's the thing. They are a puzzle-based narrative where it's, it is cleanly integrated into the story that we're experiencing. And and uh, Gemini Rouge just doesn't do that at all. I mean, even if it makes for a silly story, right? Like, I like those games, but those stories are oh, absolutely, ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, they are, they are the draw for me, but they are also ridiculous yeah that's yeah yeah Uh, i just want to add in real fast for combat i didn't do much of it which might be uh, i should say i didn't do much of it before before i had to stop and move to a let's play um because in case anyone can't tell i am sick and i am just starting to feel better today so i had to do a let's play because i physically could not sit at my computer and play a video game um but anyway uh i did a little bit of the combat and didn't it didn't bother me. It it seemed pretty cool and interesting and not that bad. I was on a PC, so plenty of, you know, had my full keyboard, you know, plenty of, you know, space to get the reaction times down and all that stuff. And also, I got through the combat of the original King's Quest game. So any sort of point-and-click adventure combat compared to that is, like, buttery. Because <laughs> the original King's Quest is... Wait, Roberta Williams? No, Roberta. It was a question. On it is test. Roberta, but I don't remember her last name. Oh man, Williams, Williams might be right. I think it might be Williams. We're sorry was, if it's not Roberta Williams. It's Roberta somebody. 
I want to say Roberta Murphy at first, but that's not true because Roberta Murphy was my AP English uh, teacher in high school. I mean, maybe. (laughs) I love her still. We're Facebook friends. We talk all the time. I love you, Robbie Murphy. Um, Okay, now. Sorry. But, yeah. King's Quest. Yes. White. Old. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I actually just recently replayed it because I really love it. I will say that... uh... My experience with the combat didn't get bad until the the training stuff started happening, right? Like, I don't know if this is too far into spoilers or not. Yeah, I, I would say, at least for me, I don't think that this is you know, combat spoilers for Gemini Roof. Yeah. But at the point where where you start having to fight two people at once, well, even, even that's bef- where it got bad for me. Yeah. I guess that's pretty much... That's where you started to need to do enough at once that the the not quite right responsiveness became an actual problem as opposed to like a oh, it doesn't really matter kind of yeah. thing so like the first couple of gunfights are just you as as Azrael, you know in cover taking out one guy and then another guy runs up and you take out another guy and then you're good and yeah like those were fine yeah i didn't have a problem with that and again this at least at least for me this might have been in part because of the context in which i was playing like on on a phone but um yeah I would say, and actually, though, uh, to something that you said, Corinne, and which ties to something that, that you said, Cleo, I think that that really, it, I think that does a really good job of informing, I think, my recommendation, which, uh, you know, Corinne, when you compared it to, you know, oh, you had done the combat in King's Quest, and, you know, Cleo, you had talked about, like, you'd recommend this to people who like uh, point-and-click adventures, I think that would be my big qualifier for the recommendation, is if you don't like point-and-click adventures or you don't know, I wouldn't say don't play it, but I wouldn't, like, give a an explicit recommendation unless you are someone who like knows that you're fine with point and click adventures you know like if you're someone who likes point and click adventures and you're looking for like a neat story i would say absolutely yes recommended um but i think that's the thing for me is just because those mechanics are what they are i don't think that they're inherently bad they're just point and click and point and click is kind of by definition sort of dated it's the kind of thing that would make me hesitant to say to just absolutely anybody like oh hey you know you've got an iPhone, like go download Gemini Root. I think that would be my one big qualification before I would explicitly say, yes, you should. But I don't think there's anyone to whom I would say, no, you shouldn't. Um, I think that's the big thing. So especially, yeah, if you're used to combat and other point and click stuff, if you got through, you know, King's Quest, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're probably going to be fine. I mean, and also they let you turn the combat difficulty down, which helps a lot for just getting through that. Like you're you're probably not going to just hit a wall on combat that you can't get through without, you know, some some putzing. But I think I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but just, uh, Corinne, you bringing up like, oh, you had done King's Quest. So this felt really good. It's like, I, I think that that would be my one qualifier is if you're if you're down with point and click, I don't think that you're going to have any problems with this. These aren't like bad point and click mechanics. They're just point and click. And yeah. I'll be upfront about the fact that that's just not really my bag. So like if you're listening and you're a big fan of point and click and you think I'm like really harping on like some dumb stuff, that's I feel like that's that's the big qualifier here is it's just not really my thing. Did you give just kind of a summary of what you thought, Corinne? I feel like when we got to you, it was mainly it was mainly about kind of the escape the room v point and click stuff. Oh yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a cute little story. Um, I was pleasantly surprised at the, all the points where I should be pleasantly surprised and like, ooh, what a twist! At all the points where I should be, ooh, what a twist! Um, yeah, I thought it was a generally enjoyable experience uh then again i also did a let's play and the person i was watching very clearly had a walkthrough open right next to them 
Um, so there were no like frustrations over the puzzles and I could see how many of the puzzles could be very frustrating. So, I mean, Hey, if you want to watch a let's play, it's a cool little way to spend four hours. And if you want to play the game, I think like James said, if you like point and click adventures, uh, it'll be a fun little time. It's not a super long game, so you can get through it pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we're about to jump into our spoiler break, which means you get to hear all about our next topic. Episode after this, we're going to be summarizing everything in sci-fi noir. And then after that, we are going to be launching into Corinne. Oh, girls with gifts gathered by the government. Absolutely. Uh, for that, we are going to be reading Firestarter? Firestarter. Yep. Firestarter. We are going to be watching Stranger Things once again. Cannot stress this enough. This is going to be the entire first season of Stranger Things. If you're listening to this as they come out, that's all of Stranger Things. If you're listening to this in the future, who knows? Probably not. But entire first season. So if you are watching along with us, probably want to start that earlier. It is eight hours of content. This is probably the, this is certainly the biggest watch we've done. I don't know if this is bigger than doing all the Hunger Games books. I haven't seen it yet. So something like that. But be ready ahead of time. After that, we are going to be playing Beyond Two Souls, also known as... Ellen Page the Game. Absolutely. Um, and which which is not a super... That's a pretty regular regular length video game, if I remember right. So uh, take care of that one, as you will. Uh, not as short as Gemini Roo. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be our next topic. And now we're going to have a spoiler break. Gemini Ru takes place in the 23rd century within the Gemini star system. The game initially follows two characters. One is Asriel Odin, a cop and former assassin who is looking for his missing brother Daniel with the aid of his friend and pilot Kane Harris. He is on the planet Barracus to find his old war buddy, Matthias Howard, who claims to have information about Daniel's whereabouts. Matthias believes that Daniel was taken to a secret facility called Center 7. Asriel makes a deal with a crime syndicate known as the Boryokudin, who control most of the Gemini system through a drug called Juice. In return for the location of Center 7, Asriel tracks down a missing Juice shipment that was stolen by a woman named Sayuri, who reveals that she escaped from Center 7 one year before and wants to return to help someone she left behind. Asriel helps Sayuri destroy the Juice shipment, and they leave Barracus for Center 7 along with Kane and Matthias. The other character is Delta 6, later called Charlie. We first see Delta-6 getting his memory wiped after trying to escape. When we see him again, he has no memories and is told he is in a rehabilitation center for criminals. He is promised by the center's director that if he completes his tests, which involve training with firearms, he will be allowed to go free. Delta-6 meets other patients at the facility between these tests, who all know him from before his mind wipe, most notably Epsilon-5, Giselle, and Balder. Epsilon-5 tells him he chose the name Charlie for himself, and that he tried to escape to finish a map for Giselle. Giselle has been planning her own escape by convincing other patients to map the facility for her. She lets Charlie in on her final escape attempt in exchange for smuggling a gun out of the practice range. Charlie is nearly killed by Balder, who is angry at his attempts to escape, but gets away, severely burning Balder's face in the process. He attempts to escape with Giselle and Epsilon-5, who is given the name Sayuri by Giselle. During the escape, Balder kills Giselle and recaptures Charlie, but Epsilon-5, now Sayuri, gets away. We now realize that Charlie's story was taking place in the past. In the present, Kane's ship arrives at Center 7, and Asriel and Sayuri set off to locate where Daniel may be held. 
Their search brings them outside of the director's office, where they are subdued by sleep gas, while the director explains that Asriel is really Charlie. After Charlie's failed escape a year ago, his memory was wiped and he was given the identity of the assassin Asriel and sent to work for the Boreokudin. However, Asriel left his assassin's life due to a part of the psyche the rehabilitation cannot change, the conscience. After Asriel left the Boreokudin, the director triggered the memory of Daniel as a means of recalling Asriel back to Center 7 so that he could rewipe Asriel's memory and create a new identity for him. He also revealed that Matthias is actually Balder, who works for the director by assuming different identities to help recover Center 7 assets. Asriel is taken to be mind-wiped, and Sayuri and Kane are captured. They manage to escape and free Asriel, but not before the memory wipe has been completed. They set the station to self-destruct, however, Sayuri wants to get hers and Asriel's original memories back, which are stored on the director's computer. She gets there, but is interrupted by the director, who points a gun at her and waxes philosophical about how humans are all programmed, whether by their upbringing in society, or by people like the director and places like Center 7. Asriel goes after Sayuri, but is delayed by a confrontation with Balder slash Matthias. Asriel kills him, and makes it to the director's office in time to see him shoot Sayuri. Asriel shoots and kills the director. He helps Sayuri, who has decided she does not want to know her past. The two escape with Kane just as the station explodes, the other patient safely making it off in a second craft. As Kane takes them out of the nebula, Sayuri contemplates that humans are more than their memories, that there is something deep inside of us besides our memories that makes us who we are. So, uh, all right. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, I got something I want to talk about right off the bat. Was anybody else expecting it to mean something that you had the option to switch between Delta Six and Asriel in yes. the second? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, after Broken Age. <laughs> yeah. Was anybody else really disappointed that it was utterly meaningless? I, I ended up not actually switching between. Like, I, I saw the option was there and I, like, switched to Asriel and like moved a couple screens and did a couple things and I switched back to Delta 6 and then I just played Delta's entire section and then played Asriel's entire section. I don't even think I did that much switching. It just put me into Delta 6 and I was just like, cool, I'll do this until I hit something that like I need to do with Asriel. But I honestly though at that point I had already suspected that the stories weren't happening in parallel. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was the same deal where I was like, okay, I'll just roll with this until the switching becomes important. Yeah, I was like hoping that it would be related. But even if they were happening in parallel, like, you know, these people were nowhere near each other physically in in any way. So unless this is going to be some weird interdimensional or like just like weird portals thing out of nowhere, kind of figure it wasn't going to. Well, given what we knew by the end, it actually would have been interesting if the switching had been important for Asriel like mm. for to prompt memories for him yeah. although I guess that would have been like showing the hand too early probably for the surprise well I mean to be honest the, the art basically showed the hand too early I didn't get it so much from the art the thing that did it for me was when they started talking about like just in general the whole idea of erasing memories started to come like more to the forefront and then also face transplants oh yeah as soon as they said face transplants i was like okay so this is confirmed but the big thing for me did anyone else talk to the the borio kuden guy the like the the guy behind the desk if you go back and you talk to him you can talk to him about center seven and he goes and he just lays out the entire plot for you like in a really not very interesting way like if you go back and talk to him again yeah, like you can go and you can talk to him and 
you can just be like, you can ask him about like Center Seven and like the escaped prisoner and stuff, and he'll go and he'll just be like, oh well, yeah, they would like wipe people's memories and make them like assassins and stuff for the Boryokud. And I'm like, oh, like I was, got it. It's like, oh yeah, you know, and they go and it's like, oh, like don't you ever like worry like that you were. Oh, like, I do remember rehabilitation yeah, just happened. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, that you were rehabilitating." He's like, "No, because everyone here knows me. You know, I would only need to worry if I was like some kind of loner drifter who only like you know, who not a lot of people know. You know, but you know, you could always like rehabilitate people in pairs, and they would think that they would know each other. So you know, I guess I would be concerned if I only like knew one person and drifted from place to place and used to be an assassin for the Boryokudin." But who's like that? <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's like, okay, cool. So thank you. There's the plot. There yep. we go. Right. It's And then that's exactly like it. I mean, I don't know. I guess the only thing that really kind of surprised me there was I, I guess I got the impression that Kane had also been rehabilitated, rehabilitated. But then I guess not. He's just someone who, who nope. Azrael met up with. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's They're very explicit about how like, oh, man, Kane's only known me for like eight months and he still has still doesn't really trust me and doesn't know who I am. And- yeah. So that was the one thing I was thinking. Of. I was like, oh, well, yeah. So I guess like Kane is the other person in the pair. But then it's like, oh, so no. So it's Matthias, like the only other person who's known me for more than like a little bit of time. And he was like also affiliated with the boy. It was the kind of thing where it just, I don't know. At, at least for me, that was, that was really uncool. I kind of wish that they hadn't done that because it, it's just like very explicitly the plot. I don't know. I, it's the only thing that was kind of twisty at all. Like, because also... Uh, the person who you don't know is Sayuri at that point. You, she's just like the girl is, I think, the only context you have her. She hasn't told you her name. Even then, it's like, oh, so this seems to be like it, the one reason why I wasn't immediately like, ah, so Epsilon 5 was like, I wonder if they're just like kind of reusing assets or their artists just like can only draw like three people. Like it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, I don't know, it's it's why I have like a hard time with like a lot of stuff. I'm like, okay, so this is either important or just kind of shoddy work. And I can never tell which one it is like in the moment. Cause you kind of have to have the whole experience first, but yeah. So I don't know. It was like little things like that. And I was like, oh, so I guess, so maybe I'm the escaped prisoner from center seven. And it's like, no, it was her. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I guess that was the only thing that was kind of surprising was I'm just like, oh, I can't tell if you are actually the same person or just drawn the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we also talk about how, like, Giselle, like, you know, Epsilon 5, she's like, she won't cho- choose a name for herself. And then Giselle is like, okay, I'm going to name you. You're Sayuri. And I'm like, is it because she's Asian? She's just like, I must give you, like, <laughs> yeah, some you kind just of give Asian her, like, name. Weird, weirdly exotic Asian name. Like, it's like, you couldn't be like, you are Kate. <laughs> it's like no you you're clearly some kind of asian person so you get an asian name oh my god that's totally something that i was thinking about uh in that moment i was just like what if like sayuri is I, i'm i'm gonna say sayuri sounds like a japanese name to me i was just like what if she's thai what if like giselle this like clearly white girl just read her as you know generic asian and gave her this uh this japanese name and she meets like some i don't know some japanese person in the in later on and that person's just like why do you have a japanese name like you're clearly not japanese like i don't know that was a weird moment for me 
it I almost felt like the weirder thing for me was isn't the point of like picking the name that it's something that you picked for yourself like if someone gives it to you doesn't that defeat the point the of entire the entire yeah. Giselle is like, also an asshole fuck you so. Giselle it's awful <laughs> yeah I actually I want to this is kind of weird but my favorite character was Balder god damn it <laughs> <laughs> Should we go around talking about our favorite characters? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have one. Mine was Kane. I like Kane. Poor guy. Can we just yeah, have I a mean, poor we Kane about this, like, that, that, he, like Everything he doubted about Asriel was basically true. And just for being this dude's pilot gets himself thrown into a cell by like a crazy mad doctor guy. I I always tend to just like like that trope of a character, just kind of like the sort of beleaguered companion on the mission who's kind of running stuff back from base. I mean, he's kind of like I don't know. I guess I he's like the, the Archon, the the hapless grumpy savior. Yeah, didn't do anything to get where he is. Kind of annoyed that he's where he is. Nobody would get out alive if it wasn't for him. Yeah, but is also kind of being a good sport about the whole thing. Yeah. Also, <laughs> you always get attached to a character who you can communicate with kind of regularly and you can like initiate the communication right so yeah. like because he's the person you can you call you the time with the communicator yeah. being like help me kane i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> give me a hint and he's like well, why don't you go talk to like so and so like Thanks, i'm hovering kane. up in orbit forever like what are you doing like where did you go i'm still here um yeah maybe the newspaper guy <laughs> oh yeah uh, the, the shop owner yeah did you ever do anything with that newspaper? No, I was going to bring this up. It came to mind earlier, but I figured it might be mildly spoilery, so I didn't say anything. Yeah, just in case anything. like the thing you do with it is like some secret thing at the end of the game. Right. But like, yeah, you can, you can choose to buy a newspaper from him, and then you just carry it around for the rest of the game. You never use it for anything. Yeah, I want to say that there's kind of a growing list in my mind of things in this game that have literally no payoff. I feel like every other item got at least one use. Well, there was the there was the switching between Delta Six yes, and okay, yeah, Azrael, sure. which had no payoff. There's the newspaper, which had no payoff. I think there was a third one that I was thinking of that I can't remember right now, but I'll I'll say oh really suddenly in like fifteen or twenty minutes and then remember it. Yeah, we'll talk about it again. Yeah. That's fine. So, yeah. yeah, I like Balder. Um, <laughs> okay, why do you like Balder? Though? I like Balder because he reminds me a little bit of Butch Deloria from Fallout Three, and. You're looking at me like no, just keep going. Okay, <laughs> um, I cut. I don't know. Like, there's something I find kind of these exaggerated bully characters to be entertaining in these types of games, um, and it kind of highlighted the whole ridiculous, like the fact that he was also Matthias, kind of highlighted the ridiculousness of some of the twisty bits, the twisty mm. bits. Um, you know what I mean. And something I don't know something about the voice acting it all that also being like exaggerated I just for some reason I just I thoroughly enjoyed all of that I how you knew you guys did you like pick up on there being something off about Matthias pretty early I God no I was gonna say I had a feel as soon as they talked about face transplants I was like okay so that's Balder um (laughs) but that was like everything about as soon as they mentioned face transplants right like everything became everybody is somebody else yeah everyone yeah. Um, at, at least for me at early on, I couldn't, I felt like a lot of like the art for him was just, he seemed weird, but it was so early that it was another instance of, I can't tell if this is just like low production value right. or like, I, I can't tell if this is just badly done or if it's supposed to make me think like, 
yeah, this is weird. Something about this is off. Yeah. Or if it's just like, yep, nope, bad writing. He also, and it turned out it was something that was supposed to be off. So yeah. props to them. He also looked like Captain Ahab a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> As Matthias. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was how it came to me. It's like, he seemed like I would expect his character to seem up until we get him on the ship. And then when he's up in the ship, it's like everything he says has that like slight pause for added suspicion. Where it's just like, oh, well, why, you know, why did you decide to come? And Baldur's, or well, Matthias is just like, I thought you might need some help. Right? That sounds believable, right? And everyone's like, yes, it does sound believable. Yeah, cool. You're here to help us. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks and for clarifying the believability of your statement. Right. And that's like, okay, so there's clearly something off with this guy. And I feel like the face transplants thing never processed for me. Like, it never clicked that it was dropped. So the moment that I, like, realized that he was probably... I mean, the moment that I realized he was probably Balder was just after uh, the escape flashback when Balder shoots you and it cuts back. Uh, and then, the, like, the next time I saw Matthias, he's the only... He's, like, the only character with noticeable color in his like character model and it's mm-hmm. red um and it's like which is Baldur's it, color right it's yeah. like the one thing that links the two of them um and so that one was like oh okay maybe yeah cuz it's like one of those little things that would definitely happen in a story like this where it's just like yeah you know he still wears this red tie and he doesn't know why he always wears this red tie but Oh, I think you're giving the story too much credit. It's it's so you can visually associate the character. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. they wouldn't go as far as giving it this that kind of backstory, but like that is what would feasibly yeah like the, an example of something that would feasibly make sense if they were to decide to explain it. Yeah, I kind of wish they hadn't gone down the very obvious road of like, oh, Balder is super evil and just wants revenge and stuff because they have an option. With Giselle, right, to say, like, oh, do you want to bring Epsilon 5 with well, yeah, us? Yeah, but that was before or, he tries to kill you. Or Balder. Yeah, that's before, but yeah, but at the same time, yeah, that's before he tries to kill you, but I thought it would be really cool if oh. it turned out that, like, Balder was actually on your side and had been your friend. He just has this, like, very, very suspicious voice for some reason. And Epsilon yeah. 5, who's been like, oh, you saved me that time, and we're friends, and, like, I'll help you with such and such thing. If she had been the evil one. Yeah. Right. And that brings me to my third point of things that have no payoff. The note under the bed that says, don't trust anybody. There's no payoff to that. That's why I thought. There's also the the get out now note right before you, right right before you escape, which is also presumably left by the same person. And like. Also, who left that? Did you leave it for yourself? The the notes don't have payoff in and of themselves, like both of them. I think you leave the first one for yourself, but I guess not the second one. Right, because by that point, you would remember having left it for yourself. I guess the second one, I even missed that second note the first time because I just like went in. I was like, okay, so go to sleep. And he's like, I'm not tired. It's like, well, I was supposed to come here and there's nothing else to do. So fuck (laughs) it. So I tried to leave and then it's just like, oh, hey, Balder, you're back. I was like, okay, so I guess I was supposed to go in the room and leave. But and then I saw like a walkthrough and was like, oh, make sure you get this note. I was like, oh shit! So I, like I went back from where I was before and I got the note. And it's the note that just tells you to leave the room to trigger the Balder cutscene. I was like, oh well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, those notes were weird. I don't know what was. Yeah, and I would even say just in general, the whole like, do you trust Epsilon Five? Do you trust Balder? Is there a difference? Like, yeah, that whole like kind of. It seems like it's setting itself up to be like some kind of interesting choices because yeah i also was like okay so Baldur's clearly the bad guy and epsilon 5 is clearly my friend 
which means that Epsilon 5 is almost certainly going to betray me and Balder is like, maybe okay, maybe I don't trust anybody. They they really drop that whole interesting, like, one or both of them could be lying to me. I have no idea, like, who anyone is or who I trust, and they're telling me that we have this important relationship. Yeah. And I, like, that all goes out the window so you know, fast. Yeah, I completely agree. Maybe they thought about doing that, but they realized that Balder could never have the Sayuri role because if you put him under a hood, he would still have that same ridiculous voice, and you would know immediately that it was him, and it would ruin the whole Charlie, thing. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that was actually the, the option where you're like, oh man, I would like to take one or the other with me when you're talking to Giselle. That was one of my like accidental dialogue moments where I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to say, but I was hovering too close and I just accidentally clicked the one where you don't, you don't like say anything on either of their behalves. Oh, that's like, that's what I picked on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just like, and I'm just like, okay, we'll leave tomorrow. And just was like, great. And I just leave. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I was kind of a dick. Oh, well. Do we know anything about like story differences based on any choice? I mean, it seems pretty linear, and like your choices I, I don't... get the feeling that your choices don't actually have any effect, except for like the immediate, immediately following line of dialogue. Yeah, because with a game like this, like, and I understand scale is like you know when you you're like a small team, scale is like a thing that you have to you can't just like go all out. Yeah, I mean, this is basically a one man game. Yeah, but I would have like loved it if there had been like different endings or like you know different like if there is an ending where you know, Epsilon 5 and you don't, things don't work out and she ends up, like, fucking you over or, like... You find out she's the director. Yeah, or something, yeah, there's, like, other, all sorts of, like, twisty things. I <laughs> like twisty options. Was she not the director in your game? <laughs> <laughs> Did you oh. not, like, grow bird wings and fly away at the end? Um, I, I really, I really enjoyed... A, how Giselle made it sound like she had all these people, like, already who were going to be escaping with her, and it was <laughs> just, just you no and the other person that was always going to be Epsilon 5. And B, I like how she was like, well, maybe Epsilon 5 will be useful. And then when it came time to escaping, she was like, oh, I've suddenly decided that the ability to hack computers might help us. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring Epsilon 5. That, to me, was ridiculous. Another little, like, disappointing moment for me was, um, or just, like, something that I felt, like, could have been followed through on, um, was, you know how when you're in the mess hall and you talk to different groups of people and they all just, like, stare at you in some way or another and, like, it's, like, the green people, like, are kind of menacing and they, like, snarl at you and stare at you with empty eyes and then the blue shirts stare at you with vacant eyes instead of empty eyes. It's, like, all, like, it's a little different for each group and it's, like, yellow, green, blue, and red, right? And I thought... Okay, so there's something about different about everyone's personalities based on like what color they're wearing or like what you know they're being trained for, and it's gonna you know play a significant role later. So I need to take note of this. So I took note of it, and then nothing ever came of it. <sighs> oh, speaking of different roles, what do we think that the other other colors were doing? We know that blue were, was being trained to shoot guns, right? And yellow was computers. No, uh, Sayuri. Well, yeah, Epsilon was yellow because she's Asian. Was she yellow? I thought she was green. Mm-mm. Who's green? I think she was yellow. I thought yellow as well. Uh, uh, no, uh, it was Delta Blue, Epsilon Yellow, and then Giselle and Balder were both beta. They were red. red. So we have no greenies. And there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no exposure to anybody oh. in green. Was was red? Red wasn't maintenance, right? Because red was like everyone. They weren't being trained in that. Everybody just rotated yeah, through. Everyone maintenance. was maintenance. I think red is just assholes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean doesn't seem to be wrong 
maybe yeah we know what balder ended up doing but i don't know that that was strictly like the red yeah right where they became like his like private security force basically yeah slash like got rewritten all the time to go out and like find people i think that was like a particularly special case yeah well he mentions towards the end that like when they need to do that he's the one that they send but but the same deal like it seems like balder is distinct from the other other reds in that yeah speaking of maintenance i think the most frustrating there were, there were a few moments, but, like, one of the most... No, there's, like, four moments. <laughs> one of the most... Somewhere in the top four is the uh, replacing the pipes in that, like, maintenance area. Because it's, like, yeah, it dumb. you gotta get the pipes from the cabinet. Then you gotta, like, take the wrench and unscrew the pipes from the broken pipes. And then you gotta put the new pipes in. Then but you gotta remember to, to tighten screw the, the new yeah. pipes in, because otherwise... Yeah, that part was... Bo- when you had to re-tighten the bolts... Yep, and yeah. I went over, I because I, I didn't do it, and I went over, and I hit the wheel, and, and the pipe like, blew off, yeah. and I was just like, you fucking... Also, yeah. one of the UI things that really got to me was, like, the inconsistency with being able to interact with things from a distance. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because there would be times when you could, like, tap a thing in hand, and they would just walk over to it and do it, and then, for some reason... In the maintenance room only, seemingly. No, there's a couple other areas, but the the maintenance room is the worst. Yeah, there were others where it like made sense to me, where like I would tell them to interact. You're like, I can't reach that, or like I can't get to that from here, and it's just like, okay, well, you could get to it if you walked over to this place, which is what, okay, whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, it's like if I need to open the tool shed in the maintenance room, and it's like if I'm not standing right next to it, he's like, I I have to be closer to that. It's like, yeah. but you never have to be closer to anything else when I tell you to interact with it. So why? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seemed like it. I, I think that it might have to do with whether you're in an area that is occasionally blocked off. That's all I could think of. Because yeah. in the maintenance, it seemed to mainly happen when I was like on the other side of where there is sometimes steam um, that you'd need to turn off first. So it made me wonder if it was that. And it's just like it determines whether you have like crossed a certain threshold. Yeah. So like it to determine that, but I don't know. That's like the most benefit of the doubt I can give it. Cause yeah, otherwise it was, it was so frustrating. And the amount of times it happened in the maintenance room, just cause you have a lot of that kind of puzzle in there. You have to yeah move yeah. around and yeah, it was awful. One of the other, like the kind of puzzle you had to brute force was the, the stupid smuggler guy you had to call. Kenneth, oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you have to figure out the exact correct conversation path that will lead him to giving you the apartment number. And I I tried literally, like, I got through almost every single possible dialogue option before I got to that one. Because I was leaning in ways that made sense, and I was like, I have a job for you. That'll get him talking. It's like, well, you're a pilot. You're a smuggler, so I'm going to offer you a pilot job. And it's like, and I got to where it's like, you know, well, what's in it? Or how much does it pay? And I was like, well, it's uh, enough for a trip to the new colonies. Because, like, that sounded, like, the most impressive. Yeah. And he seemed to respond positively to that. But then none of those options worked out. And I was yeah. like, okay, well. And I was, like, bouncing all the way back and trying more stuff. And I, I must have called that guy, like, 36 times. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he didn't <laughs> just give up at some point. Just every time I answered, he's like, what do you want now? Who is this? What, 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 what are we talking about? I don't understand. It's just yeah. like, he answered the phone every time and it's just like, okay. It's like, I must, I called him like five times in a row just to get to the, I have a job for you option. It's like, how are you not suspicious, dude? <laughs> like the same guy with the same voice keeps calling you to offer you a job and you keep hanging up and he just keeps calling back. No one screens their calls in this universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, everybody's phone numbers are, are seven digits long. Yeah. In the entire universe. In the entire, entire universe. universe. No area codes. Who needs them? No planet yeah. codes. Yeah. 
We have country codes for crying out loud. This is the guy who ruins phones for the rest of us, right? This is the person who picks up and like listens to telemarketers and like buys stuff and gives his credit card information over the phone. (laughs) Like it, it's looking for people like this, that, that, I don't know, just ruins that. This is why we can't have nice things. Basically. Yeah. I can't, God, just other little like frustrating things. I can't count the number of times I died just because of like mistiming things a little bit, like with the, the big stompers towards the end. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got really lucky with those. I I by I only got killed by those once, and it was because I bumped like my phone screen because I was doing it like on a train or something. <laughs> so like I just hit it with like the back of my hand as I got jostled and just like just, walked like, right into oh, the no. thing. I was like, oh okay, well screw it. But yeah, no, I I had way fewer issues with that than I by any like than I had any right to. Like I got ridiculously lucky with that timing because yeah, no, like I looking at that, I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be an hour. I ended up these. dying once in the second run through when you're like when you're escaping the cell, right? Mm. Um, but it was always like I always I was just always like tense and assuming that I was not gonna make it through any particular time that I tried mm. because the thing is is that. The only way to time it well enough is to tap or click the the like the floor on the other side of the the stomper thing like as it's still raising up but that means as soon as whatever character you're controlling gets close enough to it they'll stop moving yeah. and you have to do it again yeah. and it's like it's so frantic where I'm just like tap 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 yeah. and just like hoping that the stutter step that the repeated tapping causes doesn't slow them enough to get them killed i was like can't they just fucking run like why are you walking leisurely yeah. underneath a giant there, there stomper and what are the stompers reasons. even doing like what are they what is that a trash compactor it's obviously not a trash compactor yeah, no, it doesn't no seem to be filling room. any purpose what whatsoever. are they doing there i uh, it's just love the stomper room. i love i love stuff like that i think this came up when we were doing the evil within like right at the beginning one of the first things you do is you walk into a room where giant spinning blades come out of the wall but you're still in a normal real world mental hospital as far as you know at that point and it's just like why does a mental hospital need this room why does this room exist or like the the say the trap door that you fall down where it's just like a chute full of spinning blades yeah they literally just drop dead bodies down there and shred them like why does this exist i love i love that i love rooms that are meant to be puzzle rooms for video games that would serve no logical purpose and actually probably hinder the everyday operation of whatever building they were installed in but this comes back to all the escape the room stuff like if those things existed in a zero escape game like plot wise they make perfect sense yeah and if those things exist in these games we're just like the fuck is this oh and also those stompers have an off button on one side of them yep and, and <laughs> also that route is the route from the maintenance room to the hangar which is also the only emergency route in the event of a reactor implosion yeah that's fine like how many of the of the like inmates would have died if the stompers weren't turned off by you prior to oh god probably all of them the evacuation it's just like, like lemmings it becomes lemmings at that point <laughs> God, the other things were like trying to time it so that Balder is standing where the steam vent is. That was I was the so worst. mad about that because like you can time it pretty easily, but you the, can <laughs> the the idea that he needs to be facing that way, right? You can't you can't just get him to be in front of it. He has to you have to stop him while he's in front of it and while he's walking away from you. Yeah, because otherwise, when you get up to try and turn the wheel, he just sees you. 
that's another point at which the art kind of hinders it a little bit because it's hard to pick up on these little details of like yeah okay, you're supposed to like see been? the cracks in the pipes i think yeah. it might have been beneficial that i was playing on ipad maybe um yeah having too big of a screen was a little bit of an issue for me i think mine being too small made of made it harder too yeah. goldilocks it it was definitely the moment though where i was like yeah i don't care if you're looking at me i'm about to shoot hot steam at you like you can see me stand up and turn the wheel like i think in we're going to be in fact i would okay. like it if you did yeah <laughs> like it that one got me yeah. the first time i died repeatedly was during the first chase sequence because you have to like you have to time it perfectly so that matthias like is pulling is pushing the door at the same time that you kick the door oh yeah but like trying yep. to clicking on someone and getting them to do something in a timely fashion is so hard in the game and then it's like someone comes and shoots you immediately yeah it was just like this is not a game that benefits from like timed problems i remember i died a bunch uh trying to get to the stairs when the boryukudan guys were there because i mm. i was i had just the thing is that i convinced myself that i could get both guys across in like one route right because there's oh. like the one guy who walks through and he just has this like l path mm -hmm. and i was like okay as soon as he turns around i send the first guy and then as soon as the first guy's in the corner i just send the second guy immediately and it's definitely gonna work and i must have tried it like three or four times before i was like all right fine i'll fucking wait <laughs> one of the things for me um because i i was also dying a lot i was i was okay with that but i had a lot of trouble with like the with the door puzzle when you're you're going up and you're getting out onto the roof but I, apparently, I, I think I saw later when I um, when I looked up a solution to a puzzle in the future. But uh, I, as I was like scrolling through, I, I think that you can shut that door that makes that gives uh, you some more time. I, was I, about I didn't that. pick up on that at all. Oh yeah, I never would have thought to do that. Yeah, either. but one of the things that was really frustrating to me was that when you die there, you have to redo the gunfight before it. Yeah. Yep. That was extremely irksome. Like that, it just seems like. Punishing in like a the the least fun way, I don't know. I that one bothered me. I had a lot of trouble. This was it was the dumbest thing, but I had a lot of trouble finding the uh, the name of the Boryokudan guy, so you can like get into the building. Oh yeah, so did I because you had to go to the fucking trash heap. And, yeah, like I had been there once already, and there was nothing there. I had no reason to expect somebody would have thrown corpses wholesale into a fucking <laughs> just like open public giant dumpster thing yeah i i didn't know that you could go there and i when i did like the the hold down because i i will say this we um you know we've talked a bit about how how frustrating some of the controls can be i will say i did like the inclusion that you could like tap and hold on the screen and see everything with which you could interact although it's not everything no that's true it's that's not the, like, actually they will everything intentionally leave things out at yeah times. but you at least can can see so i guess that's true yeah which almost makes it worse anyway um but uh, so I was, I just didn't even realize that the trash area was a screen. Like I, I didn't really like understand how to get there. I, that was the whole big thing. Like I searched that fucking city top to toe mm -hmm. and couldn't find anything about like a name for some dude. And I was like, Oh, like I've, I feel like I've checked all these places where I should have been able to find this. And I just couldn't, that was the first thing that I had to look up, um, in, in a walkthrough. I was like, where do I find that? It was like, oh, you just go to like the trash compactor, like the trash. I was like, I don't know where that is. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I would, I would go there if I could. It's like, oh, you just go to like, you know, the screener you start on, then go like one to the left. It's like, shouldn't that take me to like this other place that I thought I had been, like where I'd come with, like from with Matthias? It's like, no, that's like off to the left and through another way. I don't know. It was, 
that was the first moment where I was just like really frustrated for a long time. And it totally came down to just like, oh yeah, you didn't just like touch the edge of the screen that you never needed to go to before. Which, I don't know, that that bothered me. I think it's a little more obvious when you have a mouse and you're like just like scrolling around and seeing what highlights. Because then, you know, at some point when you're there, you would have gone to the left and seen exit for you can go this way. Yeah. I When I did the tap and hold, I thought that was referring like back to somewhere else. Like, I guess I just got oh, yeah. my wires crossed because um, it did say that was an exit, but I didn't. I thought that that took me somewhere like explicitly else and for whatever reason i was really confident in that and that confidence clearly misplaced but um yeah so i don't know that one that one just drove me kind of nuts thinking back to it i really kind of wish like the newspaper salesman had been the director oh my god (laughs) oh it would have been amazing just like something off the wall ridiculous just because everyone has to be someone else (laughs) yep i think i think it would have been necessary also the director's art was kind of weird yeah it did seem off like when you get to his character model, uh, like his little uh, what, like car, character card, right? Because uh, everybody who like speaks, most guys who speak dialogue have one. Right? As the important characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he like, everybody else has like pretty like low poly, just like, you know, zoomed in versions of their actual character models. And he just had like traditional 2D splash art looking kind of thing. It was just really weird. He also looked like just like a mad scientist, and his face didn't really match his voice. Yeah, I no. swear to God, I, I would, I'd been say, I would, yeah, I've been saying this before we started. The director almost reminded me of Jeffrey Wright's character on Westworld. I don't know if you're I've watching. Only watched it. the first episode. So I mean, like the the head programming guy who like can like leads the dev team mm-hmm. that does the stuff with the robots, right? Robots. Um, <laughs> He, I'm gonna keep making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> he uh like he just reminded me so much of that character and Jeffrey Wright as an actor that I was like like I was like the director is black. Like in my head. And even his voice just like didn't really sync up with like traditional like big nose white dude mad scientist picture that we got later. His voice sounded super, super familiar the entire time and I kept like to the point where I looked on IMDB because the voice actor is Joe Rodriguez, I wanna say. And I was like, okay, he must have voiced like another character from a game that I played, but I couldn't find anything, any crossover. But he's, it you know, he so said it's super familiar to me the whole time too. It drove me crazy. <laughs> he's just got one of those voices. Oh, I guess I, I'm gonna have to say this because I already ranted to Crit about it, and I really need to include it. It's like we just do, do we need less existential everything? We, there's been too much. Oh, just in our picks. I'm, yeah, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I'm tired of thinking about consciousness and humanity. At this point, I was kind of just like, "Well, I mean, it was this is it, an old. It was story. admittedly tame compared to everything else that we've do- we've like dived into." But yeah, fuck. Yeah, aren't aren't you are you not inoculated at this point? No, I guess not. <laughs> not completely. I've got to say, we'll we'll get on it. I think I guess we'll get to it more in the topic episode. Um, but I I was surprised at the extent to which our sci-fi noir topic ended up just being a, like, what is it to be human Pretty topic? Much, yeah. Was, I, I guess that's just what sci-fi, sci-fi noir, noir is expo- about. Ex- explores one idea, yeah. basically. So, I don't know. I, I thought that I, I, we're going to get to that more in the in the next episode. But, um, yeah. I mean, so I guess, do we want to touch on kind of like the big ideas from this? Where 
we're definitely coming up on the end, but we've we've stayed pretty surface level. Like yeah. just the whole idea of when you lose your memories, like do you like do you die? Are you your memories? Are you more than that? And I mean, what I think what's most interesting to me is that a lot of times stories like this, right? Like with Altered Carbon, they leave it up to the reader to really make that decision. Like I guess you have in Altered Carbon, you have like the Catholics versus like everyone else, basically, right? Where the Catholics are saying that like if you like if you back yourself up into all this, you lose who you are, and everybody else is like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And in this we have... And that's the extent of that debate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in this we have, like, kind of multiple viewpoints where, like, Giselle yeah. is hardline. It's like, listen, I lost my old memories. That's not who I am anymore. This is who I am now. If I get my old memories back or leave and let them wipe me, no matter what, I lose who I am now. And that's dying, and I don't want that. And meanwhile, Sayuri is like, I want my memories back. Yeah. And, yeah. like... It's like Asriel when you go to sleep like, at night. You know. Kind of reminds me of Dollhouse, interestingly enough. Spoiler alert for somebody who hasn't seen Dollhouse. It, it I have not seen Dollhouse. Lots have of I. consciousness creation and swapping and questions of what makes a person a person. Yeah. Is it noir? Dollhouse no. is... No, but Dollhouse is basically Westworld except people instead of robots. Robots? There it is. God. I guess so. I guess like big idea wise for me, I, I, we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get more into this in the topic episode, just because it turned out the big idea in all of our things was like surprisingly similar. And I feel like there's a fun conversation to have there. Yeah. But uh, I mean, what did everyone think about just how it was generally handled in Gemini Rue specifically? Uh, I think that at the end, the like the very end, Sayuri expressed three conflicting viewpoints in like a single monologue, <laughs> and just. It was remarkable. Like, she, on the one hand, she was like, they were like, what about all of the other inmates who were there? And it was like, oh, they escaped. Like, oh, what are they going to do? And she's like, I don't care. They're like, nobody's now. And then, she, like, immediately afterwards, she was like, uh, they were like, well, what about Asriel? Like, he doesn't know who he is anymore. And she's like, oh, I don't care that he doesn't know who he is anymore because there is something that is inherently Asriel to him. And it doesn't matter if he's Delta Six or if he's Asriel, that there's like an inherent part to him that is true. And he's the one who rescued me. And it was just remarkable that in like the same breath, she was like, those people are completely new people. And like, whatever about them and also asriel has some part of him that is inherent to who he is as a person and i care about that it was interesting and now i'm gonna risk my life to get my memories back oh. y yes this was like the this very, is, very yeah oh. this is like, like her closing i can't remember like the closing the whole... scene of the whole yeah. thing i i remember i read that as i don't i think i read that in the most positive light possible because i remember reading me like well this is kind of like a weird contradiction so all i could think of was it this must be her character trying to kind of reason with the fact that she cares about it that she's intellectually having a hard time conflating like it that she lost that person who was like nice to her and she wants to like save that person and hold on to that so she's kind of putting this onto him in a way that she's not to all these other people she didn't care about but I, I don't think that the game gives any, like, real reason to, to do that unless you're explicitly going out and like, well, it seems like this is kind of, like, pointing at the fact that it's, like, a hard thing. And, like, oh, are they the same person? But it's, like, the same body. And you have memories of that person associated with that body because you, like, see them. And they're, like, physical structure. And you see them all the time. And so, like, it is that part of that person that is inherently consistent and unchanging 
your memories like is is that the part that is still there and it's not in them it's in you and how you think of them it but at the same time i don't think that the game gives you any reason to actually go down that particular rabbit hole it's just if you want to make that the reason that she's having those problems you can but i don't think that it necessarily flags it which is a shame because i think that that would have actually been an interesting route to go down at least for me I have a very interesting point I could make about this, uh, and I would use the TV show Once Upon a Time as a reference, (laughs) but it would be far too long to get into at this point, so... We'll see if we can revisit this in the topic episode. I guess. Everybody, everybody gets to wonder why Once Upon a Time relates to this. I'm so excited for that. (laughs) Robots? No, actually, magic. Once once upon a robot. Magic? Yes, magic. Once upon a time, it's not a show about a sleepy small town. The stranger who wanders in from from the big city, looking for a kid. I don't remember the setup for Once Upon a Time. That's exactly the setup for Once Upon a Time. That's what I was. I was pretty sure that's what it was because I watched the first season, but I was getting some kind of blank looks. I'm like, oh, is this just? Am I thinking of the wrong show? We're just waiting to see how long you were going to go. Yeah, exactly. How precisely were you going to describe the plot? (laughs) All right. So now that we've summarized Once Upon a Time for everybody, yep. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's it. Yeah, um, I'm excited for this topic episode. Oh, yeah. I've got to say, post-Gemini Rue, I'm even more excited for the topic episode than I was before. Just because as like this started getting into like consciousness and who are you and what does it matter and bodies versus minds and all that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, shit, these are all about the same thing. <laughs> and we did not plan that. None of us had... We nope. didn't know anything about Gemini Rue coming into this. Yeah, we all just had heard it was good and decided to go in blind and we knew it fit the bill this was the most blind i think we'd gone into anything since especially like, as a group yeah yeah since, there's always since at least like one the very person. beginning because the very like when we yeah. first first started out we were picking stuff you know at random and just like what yeah like i think since i want to say since ex machina i think that was the last that's the only other thing i could think of that genuinely no one had any idea what was up with that because the movie was not out yet when we decided that's what we were gonna watch well i mean it wasn't out on like like home video yet. i had seen it in theaters when home we picked video. it when we did ex machina yeah i was like this worked out all right yeah. yeah it's not my favorite game don't be wrong it was cool it was fun yeah so. story's nice i think it's a nice story and it fit with all of our other shit <laughs> way better than it had any right to all yeah. things considered but yeah alright so with that uh yeah see you next time for the topic and then after that oh that's me girls with gifts gathered by the government alright cool thanks for listening thanks for listening to this episode of read watch play if you want to help us out the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show you can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RWP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Check out our Tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com. And look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash readwatchplay. Okay, my, my filter, it's just like slowly dying before my eyes. <laughs> I'm looking at the mic. I'm just like I. I don't have a pop filter anymore. It was you had to. Like, I was really confused because like I was just like, how high is James right now? Because first he was like, you're like I'm Jesse. He's like, 
I'm James. <laughs> and then suddenly his hands go up in front of his face. And I was like, okay, I, something happened. I only saw when, Cleo, you put your hands up, and then you were both just, like, <laughs> supplicating towards one another. And I was like, is there some sort of religious experience going on that I wasn't aware of? <laughs> 